Hey, Maggie. Hey, Anna. You brought Charles Donnellan here. I did bring Charles Donnellan, and you know who Charles Donnellan is, and I know who Charles Donnellan yes. is, but for people who don't know who Charles Donnellan is, he's a reviewer and critic and general arts writer extraordinaire mm-hmm. at the Santa Barbara Independent, which is our local rag. So he sees everything. Everything. And he remembers everything. Everything. And he's written some really interesting pieces. We're going to chat about those and some shows and some people and we're going to name names and it's going to be awesome. point fingers. Yes, but you can't see that because it's a podcast. Which is why I'm telling you that up front. So you can imagine the pointing fingers as we're talking about. Okay, we need a sound cue for that or something. Oh, yeah. Point. You know, I don't know. Maybe like a... Maybe like okay, a, let's um, let's hear yeah, Charles. Yeah, let's let's we'll think let's on that. Let's chat. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome back. We are here with Charles Donnellan, the delightful arts writer for the Santa Barbara Independent. Welcome, Charles. Thank you. Happy to have you here. We are going to talk about a couple of articles that you have written in the past couple of months. Uh, one about UCSB, which was a cover piece, correct? Yes. And then one about uh, Gary Goddard, correct? Yes. Okay, great. So we'll touch on those, and then we are going to go through the winners of the annual Broadway World Awards. So we'll have about 15 people, and we'll talk about how great they are and their productions. Yes. So let's start off with uh, the UCSB article. Um, How did you come up with this idea to cover UCSB? You know, we've been talking about doing that piece for probably five years or Mm. something like that, because... uh, as you are aware, and as I pointed out in the introduction to the piece, UCSB is the only UC that offers a BFA in theater and dance. Um, you can get a Bachelor of Arts in those subjects at other schools, but the uh, UC kind of divides up certain programs and, and rations them out to different campuses. And uh, you, I think you can get, maybe you can get a BFA in musical theater at Irvine. Mm-hmm. And Cal offers a Bachelor of Arts in theater with an emphasis on critical studies, which is not surprising to any of us, I don't think. <laughs> I um, think that was what I did. We're Cal but, alums, yeah. so watch it, Charles. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, but the <laughs> read program, a lot of plays. <laughs> you know, uh, is, is, is unique to, to UCSB. And also, I, I, I like that program. You know, they have uh, reinvigorated this town with the decision that they made I don't know, probably about six years ago now to begin uh, bringing in actors um, who are not students uh, to the productions, both from the faculty and also from the community. So perfect example would be uh, you know, Brian Harwell playing King Lear mm-hmm. in that double production of King Lear that they did this fall. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's where it's coming from. You know, it was a desire to, uh, to talk about that because uh, I think it's an interesting feature. It's not fully necessarily uh, known or understood uh, by the community. And I I really feel that the program has had an impact, especially through this uh, way that they've changed their practices uh, in terms of casting. Because before, it was all students all the time, and that, that made certain things, you know, undoable. Or, or a little hard to, you know, launch onto. Like, I remember your review of The Importance of Being Earnest, which was a long time sure, ago. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was challenged by having a really young lady play uh, the, you know, the elderly woman. What's her name? Mrs. Bracknell. Bracknell. And uh, 
I remember you were like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> well, what really challenged that program was an incredibly inept understanding of the play. I mean, it was not just the casting that, that made that thing. Because you can't be, and I remember this so well, because I, I, don't, I don't pan things too often, but I really hated that production. Interesting. Ernest. And the, the, you can't be a smirking, winking, mm. uh. insincere Lady Bracknell. That mm-hmm. simply does not work. I, I do not believe. Yeah. You know, it's rare that I say a, a, a directorial interpretation of a play is simply wrong. You know, like, no, <laughs> you can't do Based that. Based on the facts But that was one of the ones where I just was really like, no, no, no. You can't. Lady Bracknell's not winking hmm. when mm-hmm. she's saying these things that she says. I mean, that, that's, that's an unsupportable choice as far as I'm concerned with that play. You see, and I I thought that was just driven by the, you know, the fact of, or the, yeah, the fact of the youth of the the actor, you know, and there it is. But I, you know, a long time ago, UCSB used to have a kind of resident company that was the faculty and they would do their own productions kind Mm -hmm. of, I don't know if you remember this, Charles, sort of parallel. I don't think I do. Yeah. Yeah. and, And in parallel. So there was kind of a. Maybe they'd only do one a year. But I didn't anyway. get here until 2001. Okay, yeah. And I didn't really start seeing shows right until around hmm. 2004 in any kind of a serious way. Right, right. But um, you're right. I, I think people don't... Sometimes I tell people who have uh, high school students who want to go into the UC system and want to act, it's like, well, go to UCSB because, you know, at UCLA, all the slots are going to be filled by these MFA students who... You know, that's who they give them to. But it, Well, in that program, the MFA is, is a great program, but it's a program in uh, theater, film, and television, right. which is a totally different emphasis. This mm-hmm. is truly a conservatory-style mm-hmm. acting education. And for your podcast audience, I'd <laughs> like to clarify, the ratio of, uh, you know, uh, general education and uh, other types of courses to uh, theater courses for a theater major in a in a BA program could be, you know, 60-40 or even 50-50 or something like that, but they're more like 80-20. I mean, mm, those yeah. kids are in the theater, and they're not just kids. That's something else I learned. But they're in the theater, mm-hmm. and the, the practice piece of it is much more significant mm-hmm. um, because otherwise you would be, you wouldn't be able to graduate. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the other UCs, you wouldn't have enough credits uh, in general education, yeah. um, you, you you understand what I'm saying. It's a, I do, yeah. it's a different structure for a program. Yeah, and those people, you know, Risa coming from uh, Carnegie Mellon, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. and Erwin coming from Juilliard. I mean, they really are. Um, they're they're conservatory trained people. Their 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 program is a conservatory program. Yeah, Tom Whitaker came from Carnegie Mellon as well. Yeah, I think oh, you're right. Yeah. So my question about the BFA is when they cast these shows, do they mostly cast with the BFA or do they try and save some room for kids who aren't in the BFA but are just general theater? They don't try. I mean, they they just hold auditions and and the people that they think are right for those roles get those roles. They don't have a mandate to cast the BFA or not cast the BFA. Um, But, you know... The the BFA is competitive, so right. The it happens to be the case that I mean, I how many students there, do we get so. in the BFA every year? I don't know. It whittles down. I don't know what. I, do you I remember? can tell you one thing that 
I didn't know at all going mm-hmm. into the piece, and I thought I knew that program pretty well. I've seen most of their shows for at least you know, 12, 14 years or something. Yeah. But uh, what I didn't realize was how the um, admissions is structured. And you're not typically, no one is admitted to that program as a first year. Oh, okay. So you can't apply to no. the UCSB you, BFA. You can get into UCSB as a freshman, go to UCSB and apply to the BFA program to be admitted. It's a three-year program. So you begin as a sophomore. But that's only a small percentage of the yeah. people. Because what they really do is every spring, um, you know, the faculty hit the road Mm -hmm. and they go to all the CSUs Mm. and hold auditions. Um, Oh, okay. And so they're bringing in a lot of people who are, um, and you notice this as soon as you see something like Lydia, uh, they're bringing in a lot of people who are not um, between the ages of 18 and 24, uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who have acting experience, but they've been down at, you know, Long Beach or uh, up somewhere else in the state. And, And for them... Uh, you know, I talked to a few of them about, you know, being chosen, finding out they gotten into the program and stuff. For them, this is like the uh, the draft or something, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, it the is. sports draft it's or something. It's that competitive. Like, yeah. This is a big, big thing. If you've been acting for a few years in a, in a CSU or, uh, you know, even a community city college, mm-hmm. um, and then you get picked for this program, that's like, uh, it's a big deal. That's a feather in your people. transcript. That's right. <laughs> well, it's a chance to uh, to work on your craft for three years in yeah. a place that's, I think, on a pretty high level. No, yeah, well, and you're really getting like an MFA education yeah. in your undergraduate years. Exactly. Exactly. I would. That's that's a really good description. I wish I'd thought of it when I was writing the piece. <laughs> well, you, you know what might be an interesting <laughs> companion piece, Charles, um, would be to look at the PCPA program, which is also unique in the California system as the only AA degree, you know, the uh, two-year right. degree oh, that, right. is a fo- that is focused on the fine arts and on performance. Um, and they do tech- They also do technical theater, and, you know, we love all that. So. And if they could just move Santa Maria right to Saldang. Yeah, no. well, they do that some of the time. Sometimes, but sometimes you have to make <laughs> no, that I do love but, there, it, it, but that, too, is, is, is analogous in that you kind of get a... BFA in a two-year very intensive uh, practice. So a lot of feedback that I personally got, and maybe it's just because I know people who are assholes, was Mm. like, ooh, you got a theater degree. What are you going to do with that? So if you are a person who, I guess if you are focused 100%, I'm going to be an actor forever, then the BFA is a good choice. But if you are a student who gets into the theater program at UCSB, And you're not sure, what do you think the advantages of, if you got into the BFA and you're just like, what would be the advantage of going through with it and staying within the BFA? So uh, I'm going to answer in a way that's going to make you think like, did he even hear what I asked? But I'm going <laughs> to come back to what you just asked about. Okay. Um, that piece was an interesting process. Some, most of the time, I write something and it pretty much the first draft is on the way. That piece, I wrote it like three times. Mm-hmm. And I went through a whole, like two other versions that just didn't work. Um, mm-hmm. not, not complete drafts, but just like approaches that I tried and it was like, no, this isn't really that interesting. So I have a version of that story that's almost as long as the version that ran that's all about the alums and what they do. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So do you see that I actually yeah, came back to your you question? Can, it did. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Connect and, those um, it, it was a really interesting story, but it just wasn't yeah. the story I ended up mm-hmm. wanting to tell. In the end, I was like, 
I don't think this is, it wasn't about what was happening here. Mm. Right, it's not present um, tense. And so, yeah, the thing is, is uh, you know, it's not a uh, route to the uh, boardroom at Goldman Sachs. Yeah, but what is Not it? a lot of them are doing, you know, they're not in the C-suites of Fortune 500 <laughs> companies. But a surprising number of the alum have found ways to apply the skills that they acquired in collaboration, in uh, project management and mm. planning. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, people who are out there, especially a lot of them have gone up to uh, Silicon Valley and, and, and the Bay Area and are doing really well in various different kinds of tech companies, startups and things like that. So actually one of the things that I thought was quite interesting about that castaway version of the piece, cast off version of the piece, was that it did actually indicate that there is life outside of entertainment after a BFA, which was pretty cool. I thought that was a pretty cool thing to find yeah. out, actually. Or right. them also just go to L.A. And, and start, like, auditioning for commercials. And yeah, pounding the doing pavement. Doing voiceover work. And and they, they, or become actors. Their batting average is pretty or, good on that. Yeah. Nice. Or they become, you know, I'm um, one of the first actors I directed at UCSB became a, he's a major writer in, in Hollywood oh, and a sure. producer. Right, I mean, he's sure, yeah. And they're working very hard. I mean, that was another version of the story, was the version of how are you placing people? Mm -hmm. And they've made mm -hmm. a lot of strides in that direction in the last yeah. few years because they've instituted, there's a whole new course that they offer that's taught by Annie Torsiglieri mm -hmm. that is just sheerly making connections. She just brings oh. somebody up every week for the seniors, and they just meet somebody new who has some job in Los Angeles that's in great. the entertainment industry. And then the, I think the assignment for the class is they have to write that person a like, you remember me note? You know? Oh, <laughs> gracias. Keep wow. some life into that acquaintanceship, you know? Yeah. But it's smart. working. Um, yeah. A lot of them, a lot of the writers especially are getting work uh, through that um, mm -hmm. course. Oh, that's, that's, that's a that's cool small. concept. I mean, that's, that's real. Yeah. What a concept. Networking. <laughs> it's a skill. Networking is an absolute oh, skill that is not really, I feel like when I was in college, the networking that I did was, well, you're in a sorority, so you have to meet people and be oh, social man. and you have yeah. to be, you have to smile and you have to do all those things. And it did teach me how to do that, but I just ended up meeting a bunch of people who were not helpful to me in the future because yeah, I get that you have a boat, but I don't give a shit about your boat. <laughs> anyway. I, I lost you there somehow <laughs> on the... <laughs> You've never, boat analogy. You've never networked with somebody was, who only on had a boat? boat? I was on a boat. There were, there were, were boats involved. You were on a boat? It doesn't I'm, matter. I don't know. But I wasn't a theater major, but you were, Maggie. What, what about you, Charles? What was your... Uh, no, I was an English major. English um, major. I was very interested in the theater program. And in fact, when I was admitted to college, you know, I went to the day for kids who'd gotten in, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they said, what class do you want to go to? And I went to a theater class. And I watched it, and I thought, "There's no way in hell I can do yeah. any of this." Oh, what These what intimidated are so you? So much better than I could ever be. <laughs> well, it, was, it was the end of the year. Okay. And this was a Yale undergraduate class called Collaboration, mm. and uh, and the scary. people were terrific. And I later found out that actually he had used the first semester of the course to weed out, you know, 50, 60% of the people by giving them apps. Can you oh. imagine? Oh, yeah. Oh. People, Yale students, oh. first-year Yale students, and this guy says, oh, you were the lead in your high school play. You know what? As far as being an actor, you get an F. How does that right. feel? Ooh, it feels but like a dagger. But I ended up making dagger. friends with him. 
yeah. um, uh, years later because we ran into each other on the street once. And he said, wait a minute, Charles Darwin, you came to my <laughs> class before wow. you came to school. What happened? You never came back. And I said, I was intimidated. I didn't think I could do it. Yeah. He said, oh, come on. And I did end up doing theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not a theater major. It was a tiny major. And mm-hmm. it was not good enough to be a major. But I did do some really fun shows and had a great time. Um, There's tremendous... Yale was great for um, just all kinds of weird stuff happening all the time. I and mean, yeah. people were just very adventurous. Yes, and, more and, and a lot of student yeah. productions. But I also did, I did like um, weird avant-garde community theater in mm. uh, New Haven, mm. which oh. was fantastic. Yeah. Um, really, really uh, formative experience for me to have um, cool. these other adults who were going back and forth into New York and... You know, we made friends with, we knew the people in the Worcester group. Mm. Was kind I was of thinking amazing. of that. Yeah, like, super uh, cool. Spalding you know? Gray. And, yeah. uh, Spalding Gray Spuddy was one Gray. of the people that I like knew when I moved oh, to New wow. York. Nice. Because we had met before. Anyway, so now I'm just like going down memory lane here. But the answer <laughs> to the question was, I was not a theater major, but I loved doing small parts mm-hmm. and being in shows. And I did it as an undergraduate, but then I also... When I got to graduate school, I went to Columbia, and I was in the English program, but I acted in um, undergraduate productions. I would go over to Barnard College, which was the women's college, yes. and audition for whatever they had oh, going yes. on, because they always needed a, a guy to come in and be like, you know, <laughs> I died in yeah. a play at Barnard College. You know, a death on stage is such a Ooh. memorable thing to do. It was a terrible play. So do really you <laughs> perform anymore? No, no. Well, you were in High Fidelity. I was in high fidelity, right? <laughs> but why not? Why not perform anymore if it was... I, you know, it's, it was, first of all, uh, sadly, it was a long time ago that I was in even graduate school, never mind college. <laughs> but also, you know, I really love what I do. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing your sort of niche mm-hmm. is, at least for me, something that I really take a lot of comfort and confidence from, I think, almost. You know, I, I just, I feel like... It's great to to just be the exact piece of the puzzle that I am. You know, I want to be the person who listens to all the people explain what they're trying to do and Mm -hmm. really tries to, like, get good quotes from people and and go to the shows and think about them. And, you know, that that occupies me thoroughly. Yeah. Also, I just don't think I'm like, I just, you know if you're good as an actor. And if you know other people who are good actors, you know you're not them. Or, or you're either good or you really want to yeah, be good. Yeah, you love it and, so much that you have to do you it. you can go on that journey and get right. there. Right. I think about it sometimes. I mean, there's definitely yeah. times where I've sat and I thought, this would be fun to be in the show. Would you ever create <laughs> a show, either and direct it or be in it, oh, yeah. if you found something mm-hmm. that you really loved? Question. Well, I've actually, actually done um, four adaptations now for my students at Laguna Blanca. Oh, okay. Um, I did three. They were collaborations with uh, Cecily Stewart and dancers mm. from State Street Ballet. It's a program right. that she came up with called Library Dances. And mm. uh, it would be a hybrid of uh, ballet. And then I would do these scripts, you know, of uh, adaptations. The first year was uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Then we did The Scarlet Letter. Mm. And then the last one we did was Great Gatsby. Oh, that's cool. And now this year, I'm doing one with uh, Nanette Oh, yeah. Paloma. Oh, great. And I have um, 17 
girls who are doing an aerial dance version of Jane Eyre called well. Jane Eyre. Eyre. That is brilliant. Oops. Oh, I'm going to come see that. When is that? Uh, we're going to be talking tomorrow. We've, we're on Plan D now because okay. uh, we've had to reschedule it twice, three times. The first time, Nanette was trapped in Bali by the volcano. Oh, right. That? Yeah. She's always trapped somewhere due to natural yeah. disasters all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> She's been to every country. Anyway, so Here. I love doing these, these adaptations. Yeah, that's it's, cool. it's quite fun. And the, the Jane Eyre one, I'm particularly proud of that's because, fun. you know, I have to get these things down to about 45 minutes. I do it in final draft, you know, and it's, it's, it's exciting. And the Jane Eyre one is, is very tongue-in-cheek. You know, it's, it's full of sort of asides and... It's it's yeah. silly because I think Jane Eyre is ridiculous. Well, yeah, but but it's it's fun to to make fun of it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes. So back to the BFA at yes. UCSB. I one thing I do know about yep. the BFA is that they frown upon their students getting outside roles. Yes. Do you think that is helpful or harmful to the students? And to the program itself. Oh, that's a loaded question, no, Maggie. No, I'm just, I'm curious because, oh, you know, I mean, part of being in theater is going out he and... He has no, now he, what can he say now? I don't know. He can only say... Something honest. Oh, okay. I'm Go curious ahead, because I... I support you, Charles. Well, I want to know. I have an answer for this. Excellent. <laughs> he says. <laughs> Do it. It may. Utter arrogance. Um, <laughs> no, because I talk about this, I've, I've had this conversation like twice this week mm-hmm. over with people in other departments. Mm. UCSB is a research one university, which as mm-hmm. Cal graduates, you have an intimate understanding and a deep feeling for, um, they are designed to be islands mm. of intense engagement and, and, and profound inquiry that exists in a large, to a large extent apart from the communities within which they are located, from outside. And, and they actively, I talked about this a lot with Irwin Apple, mm-hmm. they, they, they do not want those students running down to L.A. to try to get a commercial. Oh, okay. That is a, gotcha. not what they're about. They don't think that, first of all, they don't think they're ready. Mm-hmm. Even if they get the gigs, they don't think that they're where they need to be in their development. And the philosophical underpinning of that program, which was confirmed by everybody I talked to, has to do with the fact that you make a commitment to the program Mm. and Mm -hmm. to seeing it through the full three-year process and that they deliberately, because it's a conservatory or a conservatory model, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they deliberately isolate you from commercial concerns and they deliberately also strip you of whatever sense of uh, uh, expertise slash entitlement that you walk in with. And you start again from scratch and you go through their process because they believe that that's the only way to give people a foundation that will allow them to survive the vicissitudes of unemployment and, and discouragement mm. that they're going to encounter as professionals. Later. They think they have to give them this core of craft and of confidence in their craft and a feeling for the tradition of the theater that is separate and only associated with that time and that place. Mm. And I think that's a powerful, uh, I'm not sure it's, 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 it's got a little bit of a, it's, it's, it's kind of mysticism. It's, it's a little, you know what I mean? It's yeah, wishful. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. But, I, but I, to a large degree, I think they're correct. I mean, I think that is actually quite valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's what you can't get at UCLA, for example, because you're too it, close. Yeah, it's yeah. monastic. 
here. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it yeah. really is. Yeah. And that's the nature of these Research One institutions. They're supposed to be different from their environment. They're supposed to be monastic in a certain sense. Because yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the model. Is it always a good thing? Obviously not, you know. <laughs> Does it create town gown yeah. tension? Naturally, of a course. Bit, it yeah. is. Mm. It's, it's, it's a systemic process of putting everything else aside. Well, because theater is so community engaged, really, as an institution. So, sort well, of we, like we would like it to be. We hope we, that it is. We would like. Well, that's, it that's where the that's where the Brian Harwells and the the Jeff Mills and the other people that they actually managed to empower yeah. come in. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, you probably know better because you're familiar with the program going back longer than I am mm-hmm. was. Well. Um, Jeff really seemed like the first lecturer who was drawn from the community and was empowered to direct his own shows. Were there people, you know, the, the position of lecturer? Oh, who at were lecturers? <sighs> Probably they had, that co- they had all those teaching slots covered by permanent faculty, by, by ladder faculty. Correct, yeah. Um, I would, you know, just kind of, unless somebody was like on, unless some really unusual circumstance of sabbaticals and... and right. Things were happening, so yeah, uh, and that was reaching out to the community in a way because that's they, they took that's somebody who paid his dues in box tails, mm-hmm. and that's right. and and you know he took that position at what you know in terms of standard academic hiring right. was a relatively advanced stage in his career, yeah. and parlayed it into what I understand is a tenure or tenure track position. In Chicago, right? Right, right. Which is fantastic. Yes. And that's a yeah, really that's good school. Yeah, that's incredible. And that's certainly easier to do in the practitioner kind of realm. You, yes. You, I mean, it's not even possible really to do that if you're a, an academic. A PhD. No, they yeah. wouldn't let you do that in the no, English department. It would, would just not. be weird. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or in the, in the drama department, because there are plenty of yes. people there who, are, who really have nothing to do with standing yes. on the boards. And, yep. and that's really usually... And typically, and what UCSB was really known for before kind of its more shift, even when they had a robust BFA, um, its shift from theory to practice, I would Mm -hmm. say, which which has happened more recently. Not that there aren't still great theorists Mm -hmm. there, Mm -hmm. but uh, that that was sort of its stock in trade. And, and, you know, when I went to grad school there, it was because of the, (laughs) it was because of the brains that were there not because of the boards mm-hmm. well so well 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 i mean know, burned states the i would hope that it was because of the brains and not because of whoever's on the board no i mean the the actual practitioners oh. it was like i <laughs> didn't boards, even on those the, boards. The boards, boards you know the not boards the, not the sorry board. metaphor <laughs> not the sorry, metaphor coming this way board of directors and yeah. not the surfboards <laughs> how many other boards can i mistake that for no Bards, boards, bards, bards and boards. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Anyway, <laughs> so that's not the point. The point is this. Uh, the monasticism has always been a real and strong thing. And, and that introduces a weird pivot to our second topic oh, yeah. of, mm. of Charles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing I remember learning early, early on in my stay here in Santa Barbara, I still consider myself a newcomer. Uh, I've been here a long time, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, you know, uncovering the sex abuse that was part of the 
monastery here. Oh, and, right. And then, mm-hmm. That's um, a big deal. and thinking about, you know, those, those uncomfortable disjunctures of, of age and power that play mm-hmm. out uh, oftentimes in the theater. So your other sort of expose this, this year. So that, that was scheduled to, to go on the cover. Oh, wow. Oh. But the fire knocked it off. <sighs> because fire. that actually happened. I did all those interviews on the phone during mm-hmm. the first bad weekend of the fire. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So it was a really extreme experience in terms of uh, my apartment was all smoky. Oh, yeah. And wow. every 25 or 30 minutes, my phone would ring and it would be another person who was going to tell me about being abused and was going to break down and oh, it no. was like went on for days. Oh, wow. And I just oh, thought, well, God. this is a very special story. Yeah. yeah. And, and for our listeners who right. maybe haven't uh, oriented to this, t- tell me the sort of the bottom the line. Bones, what was the bones, the, yeah, the yeah, lead yeah, on the this. Structure. Um, there once was, well, there still is a man named Gary Goddard who grew up in Santa Barbara and he was a terrifically talent, talented young um uh, actor and director of, in particular, musicals. Uh, he took an interest in the work that Marjorie Luke was doing at Santa Barbara Junior High when he was still at Santa Barbara High School. Mm. And uh, he started coming in and sort of uh, kibitzing, you know, and helping her uh, with the uh, productions that she was doing there. And then he developed a following of uh, young boys, primarily, who were actors, and uh, many of whom went on to become very successful uh, actors in Hollywood. Yeah, that's interesting, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. and the thing is, is that the whole time this was going on, as far as we can tell, right back to when he was a senior in high school, he was using these opportunities. He created also a, a touring company of youth theater performers who would go on trips during the summer, and the whole time he was molesting these young mm. men uh, as young as 11 and 12 years old. Wow. And the uh, reason that we picked up on the story, the reason it all came out, is because uh, um, uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, the uh, um, Santa Barbara uh, native who went on to become you know, very well known. He was in Top Gun. Uh, he was on ER for forever, umpteen seasons. Yeah. You know, fantastic actor and by all accounts a, a great guy. He wrote a piece that he uh, posted online. Uh, where he outed Gary Goddard as uh, having molested him. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of other people all came forward uh, to uh, tell their stories. And so that's where this all came from. That happened beginning in November. Uh, Gary Goddard, to fill in, you know, why this, what's the big deal? Well, obviously it's a big deal anytime anybody's molested, but Gary Goddard is a remarkably successful Hollywood executive Mm. in the area of, uh, theme and amusement park design. Hmm. And, you know, he created the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, wow. Universal Studio, all these kinds of things. He does casinos in, uh, in Las Vegas and in Macau. And wow. so he has a company that is very successful, and he has supposedly stepped back from active involvement in the Goddard Group at this time. Interesting. But what triggered it for uh, Anthony, besides years of therapy and ruminating about, you know, how awful this was that this was done to him, was that uh, Goddard is best pals with Brian Singer, who is a big deal um, Hollywood director of, you know, $100 million budget films, who is also a notorious pedophile, for lack of a better word. Wow. And uh, they both were involved in um, 
several lawsuits, which they successfully defended, but that seem to have involved paying off a lot of people as well. Yeah. And they kind of flaunt it. You know, they're part of a culture in West Hollywood of people who, you know, will Instagram themselves with very young men. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, that's fine. I'm not judging people who want to date people much younger than themselves, but we all know that that is not a fair or equal relationship. And especially now also the allegations are all about people who are Quite underage, yeah. Yeah. quite yeah. young, very so, underage in many instances. Yeah, with Gary, especially back in the old days, and the other people, you know, uh, many of them have gone on to become very successful, and he played a big role in their success. He represented, he managed a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. So he, it's an interesting case because he was, he was, he was giving them something in return, but he was asking for a lot because he was doing things too and with them. Mm-hmm. that, you know, they were not really consenting to or right. barely consenting mm-hmm. to. And then he was also requiring their silence in exchange mm-hmm. for his continued um, favors as a powerful person in Hollywood. So is it really quite comparable in a, in a way to Weinstein? You know, definitely. he's not yeah. probably, he's definitely not as well known. He might be as rich, you know? <laughs> or, or also comparable to, I forget the guy's name, but... Um the man in U.S. gymnastics, oh, the, the doctor, just because doctor. of the disparity of right. age and power, and um, you know the kind of flaunting of of one's hierarchical power over another, and and in there too, in the doctor, in the case of the doctor, you have this sort of institutional mm-hmm. security of like I am a doctor, and I'm a and and I think we were talking about this last week, Charles, um, the sort of special relationship of harassment or abuse that can happen in the theater in in relationship to other professions or other venues or other contexts where people Absolutely. Yeah. That that there's it's a different environment. There's a power in yeah, there there's a physicality, yeah. there's a openness um Absolutely. you know that that's it's just special and it can easily more easily be abused. Right. I think the lines are very different in terms of what people do just moment to moment, day to day, which maybe blurs things a little bit. The question that I have about this is the question that I think a lot of people have about the Me Too movement or any of this is why do people wait to come forward with these things? Oh, yeah. So many reasons. You know, um, they're not sure what their role was Mm -hmm. for many of these people. For a long time afterwards, you know, they don't know exactly what they agreed to, what they didn't. You know, that's that takes a long time to untangle. Mm-hmm. Um, tremendous amount of shame. Uh, people have professional reputations to uphold. They have personal relations. And uh, more than anything else, the, uh, the people who do this, and this was the point that was made by several of the victims that I spoke with, are experts at identifying people who are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They they groom many more people. They have a ratio of, you know, who knows what to one for the ones that they move on. Mm. And they don't go right away. They they do a year, two yeah. years of prepping somebody wow. before making their move because they're waiting until they know they have this person in a position where they're not going to ever say anything. Yeah. You know, and they, they will be able to keep them quiet indefinitely. So there's... There's, there's a kind of uh, strategy on the part of the abuser. And then there's also, 
all the mixed feelings that people experience as a result of becoming victims. You know, yeah. that's not a comfortable role for yeah, most people you, to Yeah, you don't want to be remembered as. or thought of no. in that sure. way. Yeah, you don't want your identity to be wrapped up in right. The, and it's it's in you victimhood. can't you can't take it back. You can't right. say yeah. you know forget that. Um, yeah. But wow, I got to say that was really. Um, very challenging story from an emotional point of view, just because I just talked to so many people that had been really hurt by this person. And I heard so many people, you know, really in a heightened emotional state, yeah. mm-hmm. either, you know, crying or angry or whatever. And, um, and like I said, the fire was burning at the same time. It just, <laughs> Surreal. all things seemed really mm-hmm. dramatic and it was. And, and also it's just terribly, terribly sad because, these guys, a lot of them have become very successful, and even the ones who haven't. But, but, and then this has tainted their sense of their own worthiness for their success because this guy helped them get their breaks. Mm-hmm. And he did it in exchange for you know, sexual favors from them when they were young teens. And that's just so awful because these are fantastic, talented people who went on to have great careers, but in the back of their minds, they're, they're knowing that, you know, there was something weird about how it all got going. That's horrible. It's just horrible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's horribly commonplace. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah, all around. All around. And I heard I heard more stories than I could run. I bet. Sure. Yeah. Um, I bet. And I heard stories that were sort of um, to come back to your point earlier about the theater as being um, a unusual sort of space in society. Mm-hmm. I heard stories from women who had been, one woman told me she had been raped in the green room of a theater in Santa Barbara oh. mm-hmm. uh, by an adult when she was a teen. Oh, no. And it was on a production that Gary was directing, and she went to Gary with that right away. Mm. And he told her, don't you dare ruin the show. Oh, no. Do you realize how many people will be let down <gasps> if you make a fuss over this. A fuss, yeah. We're talking about a rape. I mean, that is not like he said something or he touched my knee. Yeah, that's yeah. that's your experience as a person is not valid. Because the show because is more important. Because the show is more important than, they, than they your took, experience as a person. They took one step. This was one of these sort of hybrid professional youth productions yeah. that he did. They took one step, which was that the actor who had raped this woman was staying in the guest house of her parents. <laughs> and they moved oh. him to a different place. Oh, <laughs> How nice of them, right? I mean, but yeah, that one just that blew my mind because what it, it made very clear was that um, anytime somebody's pulling this kind of stuff, there's also people around yeah. who have a sense, even if it's not explicit, right. and it's a license for them to pull stuff because they know mm-hmm. they'll be protected, right? Right, or yeah, you know, enabling. it's just. I think a, a great play on this subject is How I Learned to Drive by Paul. Oh, Hull. yeah, that uh-huh. is a great play. Yeah. Um, because she, she touches on the... UCSB did a good it, production Yeah, that's right. That. Tom Whitaker directed yeah. that. And uh, it touches on the like how you are shaped by that experience. And you know you may not necessarily be in an antagonistic relationship Paula with Vogel the person. Paula Vogel is so good. Mm-hmm. That's a really good show. Yeah, mm-hmm. she is special, but... Um, have you seen? Have you seen the recent um, no. show about the Yiddish theater? I have not. No, it's really good, and you can watch it. It's I think it was broadcast by 
PBS has a okay. masterpiece theater. Oh, right. okay. Okay. Scout okay. around online, and I'm I'm not going to come up with it. It's a one word title. Right. It's about it's like, a show that got banned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's like um, unshowable or yeah, disgraceful something like or something. It's a word okay. like that. I know what you mean. Oh, I'm going to look up. It's really good. It's yeah. really good. Awesome. Yeah, really oh, interesting show. We love her. Well, what is the continuing legacy of Gary in this town Ooh, that you picked up on? Ah, that's a great question. Um, well, there were people, and we didn't run this because in the end, I think they're probably at least a little bit wrong about this, but there were people who came after us and said, Marjorie Luke knew her name shouldn't be on that theater. Mm. Wow. Heavy. Um, but that was not the majority opinion. So uh-huh. that's kind of why I didn't go with that. Um, a lot of, a lot of people are still kind of soul searching over this because there were people who knew. I mean, that came across very strongly. I don't know about Marjorie Luke. She's not around to ask. Mm-hmm. And many people said, Marjorie Luke was a Mormon mother. She would have, killed him if uh-huh. you know there not, were that's more not people typical. saying that you know not but that's but not yeah, how people that are doesn't, yep. that doesn't that's that not didn't how people prove are anything they usually me. go people eh, say stuff like that all the time yeah. you know, oh, i don't want to make a yeah mm. exactly they don't they either it was also the 70s yeah and i don't know about you i was alive in the 70s and the 70s were <laughs> messed up man people mm-hmm. did all kinds of crazy yeah. things i bet mm-hmm. santa barbara was swinging in yeah. the worst way imaginable <laughs> In those days. Lots of money and not a lot of policing. <laughs> Hot tubs full of yeah. <laughs> stuff. Ooh. Yeah. This is the um, thing that actually came up today. We had a editorial meeting where we were trying to brainstorm covers going forward and just talking about ideas. And I was asking the news people, I think it seems to me weirdly quiet on the Me Too front in Santa Barbara. Mm. Yes. For a city with this demographic, with all the kinds of people that are here and the kinds of institutions we have here, there's no way there aren't major, major Harvey Weinstein figures That's an who have not idea. been outed in Santa Barbara. I, yeah. I, I don't see how it's, it's just statistically unlikely. Well, and if, so I don't know how active you guys are on social media, but I'm on, I'm big on the Twitter, and by big on the Twitter, I mean I spend a lot of time there. I'm not super popular, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean. And it's very interesting to catch the pulse of the Twitter society in Santa Barbara, because I mm-hmm. follow a lot of people in Santa Barbara, and I found that in Santa Barbara, the Me Too thing was big, but not necessarily in a way that outed people of prominence you know it was just people saying like we support the movement you know this that, and the other but i i bet i think you're right like i'm sure that if you dug into it i mean it has to be there has it to has be. to be because like a hundred percent of women if you poll them and probably some huge percentage of men say you know this is uh, yeah hashtag me too so it yeah. must be some of that is local and santa yeah. barbara is full of nonprofits, mm-hmm. which are rife with abuse because mm-hmm. they don't have well, standard forms right. of control. It's full of all kinds of things that no doubt have created these situations in the past. There's well, we, to be there, there like was that. the huge big deal of, of the, the seminary. The seminary. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, maybe, right. maybe in a way there's a gravitational pull there where Santa Barbara feels like, yeah, we, we did that. And, and your story mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. was a, a, you know, figurehead for for this and and that is enough of a 
catharsis for our community. I don't know. It's uh, interesting. Well, as a... Or the mm, other shoe has yet to drop. Well, well I'm, that's I'm saying as something a, news a little person, bit different. As a news person, where would you go to dig for that? Oh, you can't. You, somebody has to come for Somebody has to come to you. You can't, you can't go out and say, and hey, just solicit is there that information. doing anything weird around here? No, right. <laughs> hey, guys. Anybody but, been molested? Hey, Call my, me. My specific intuition is that there has to be some male power figure operating in that fashion in this city. It's just mm-hmm. statistically seems unlikely that there's not. But, you know, until somebody steps up, that's yeah. that's going to continue or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was a shocking whole it, uh, period, sounds, the fall. Yeah. It sounds all those like things coming one after another. I mean, Charles, if I were you, I would need, you know, to to, to get counseling after our. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it sounds horrific. It sounds horrific. No, it's it's really it's a lot of process. Tra- I mean, I remember teaching a creative writing class once, and I had no idea the amount of trauma that was about to come mm. at me as a reader. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that everyone was uh, it was in confessional mode or something, and which is great. I'm glad they trusted me. That well, much, I did talk to um, like, wow, therapists too. I didn't end up using too much of yeah. that material mm-hmm. in the piece. I did a lot more. That was one where I didn't write too many versions of it. Yeah. It was a slow. It was a hard write, mm-hmm. but I did way more interviewing than for a normal piece. Like right. I must have talked to you know ten times as many people as I used or whatever. Yeah. And I, I like talked that's... to some therapists too because I wanted oh, to get yeah. a professional yeah. uh, opinion on it. And they were, you know, they were great. They were really useful. Well, it's definitely a different kind of a piece than, you know, say you interview somebody about their theater piece and you can talk to the director and maybe you talk to an actor and you get their points of view. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, boom, that's done. yeah, you're Thank done. You. And because that's yeah. important to what, you know, what forms what you're talking about. Whereas with this, I feel like you have to talk to so many people because you don't want to be wrong. Mm. You don't want to, you know, Ooh, pick the I first three a, people and then just say there. On that. I yeah. had some things wrong oh. in the process. Like I had a, a day where I realized that I was like I had a person who had the same last name as somebody else and I had oh. them mixed up. And if I had written the piece based on my misunderstanding, mm-hmm. there would have been hell to pay. Oh, no. One was a lawyer. The other one was a publicist. They both had the same last name. <laughs> oh, no. I would have been dead. <laughs> Those people would have taken my yeah. head off. You know what I mean? It was like Bill Cosby's lawyer, and I had him confused with, you know, it would have just been awful. Good journalism. Well, good for you. But I caught it. I yeah, caught it. Good. You know, at a certain point, I was like, oh, no, that's not. Oh. Um, one other thing about that story is that um, originally, when it first came out, there was some question about who would write it at The Independent, because... Mm-hmm. It was a news story, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, the reason it ended up with me, you know, was because I was willing to do it and because I knew uh, many of the people who one would have to talk to. Mm-hmm. But I also took it because I felt a serious obligation to the theater community mm. to try to handle it in a way that did not leave people with the notion, oh, theater people, they are just creepy. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's true. I felt I mean, like that's important. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, this this prejudice goes back as far as human history that that actors are considered to be sort of communal sexual property, mm-hmm. or that people who enjoy musical theater are gay. Right. Right. Another stereotype that was right smack in the middle of this oh, whole thing. Yeah. Oh, you wow. know. And uh, and yeah, and I I feel pretty good. You know, I got. 
Very nice feedback from Anthony Edwards and mm. the other subjects who were mentioned directly mm. in the story. Yeah, it's hard and to the nicest that. thing, Anthony Edwards wrote to me and he just said, you know, you really handled it with dignity. Mm. And that meant a lot to us. Mm-hmm. And that was a great, you know, that, yeah. was, that, that felt good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Did after... not hear from Goddard. Oh, really? Well, hmm. crickets. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> That's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for writing the piece. Yes, it thank was, you. I think, hugely important yeah. for the theater community, for the Santa Barbara community. Yeah. And and, yeah. and for our society at large to kind of get. Yeah, absolutely. Face up to it. Time's mm-hmm. up. Time Time's is up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on up. that one. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah big time. Yeah. Thank you to Charles Donnellan for that riveting discussion. We will have more from Charles Donnellan mm-hmm. next time. We had a lot to say. There was mm-hmm. a lot, so there'll so be thanks, more Charles. for you. Thank you, Charles. And our producer, David Paris. And our music by Miles Austin. Dun, da, da, da. And follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Find us online. We will face have page. Face also page. the face page. Also the face page. We will have listings to all of our people and everything that we mentioned on our website. Go see some theater. Go see some theater, for God's sake. <laughs>